Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, on Second Thought. Smith is out to the right. Basher takes him one-on-one. First down over you. Now Hibble. Uh-oh. Intercepted. Nothing but green real estate. Hibble coming on Favors. Touchdown, Texas. He can't get there. Second Thought episode 237 brought to you by Hook'em.com. Our good friends at Bud Light, drink them while you got them. And I know you're hyped for Texas OU because we played a highlight real moment uh, from the college career of our next guest. He is the host of RBKD weekdays at from 3 to 7, 104.9 The Horn. And he's a friend of the podcast. And uh, actually, Duck. Two friends yep. of the podcast on that call, Brent Musburger and our own Rod Babers. How good Very is nice. that? What's up, Rod V? What's up, gentlemen? I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Uh, the most wonderful time of the year for Longhorn <laughs> fans and for Sooner fans. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, this, I just can't wait for this week every year. It's the highlights of uh, our sports calendar, and uh, boy, what a – Great guy to have on. Says, uh, "Let's uh, can we recreate the beginning so people are clear what they were listening to?" Said B. Did you say said B or said G? Said B is I dead. Said, you said said I B. Said, said B said is said dead. Is quit trying to B. quit trying to put me in the grave. I don't ride motorcycles. Here, 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 well, let's let Rod B. That was a seventy-three it. yard touchdown interception return. A pick six by Roderick Babers against Nate Hibble's OU Sooners back in 2002, my very first year on the beat. And right after I interviewed wow. Rod, he said he wanted to take one to the house, and then he went and did it. Nice. Uh, that was that was actually, and, and you know, I, and a lot of when I went to the NFL Combine, a lot of NFL coaches they thought oh, I was in zone coverage there. They kept telling me, "Oh man, you were in zone coverage. How did you, uh, you know, what were you looking at? What were your keys?" And I told them I was in man coverage. Actually, huh. came off of my man. Yeah, we were we do what we call tango, buddy. I take the outside cut. Uh, whoever I'm uh, tangoing with, they take the inside cut. So it was basically in man coverage. I came off my man because I saw it. Film study, baby. Film study pays off. They love to run that little wheel route, quick hit out of the backfield of Quinn Griffin. 
I saw it, and luckily, luckily, I picked it. You guys know my history. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hands, they called it. Rob Babers, <laughs> if he if he was reincarnated as a boxer, it would be Roberto Duran. He did have hands of stone, and he famously said, no one on my side of the field is catching a ball, including me. And he meant that. that but he did that hey, day. Hey, yeah, man. Ron, did you get to keep the ball? I did not. I did not keep no. the ball. I don't remember what I even did with it. I remember I gave praise to the man up above just for letting me catch it. Took it I believe, guys, if I'm not mistaken, the, the week before that, I was the Oklahoma State game. And I want to say I caught like the game saving interception in that game. So I was on a little bit of a hot streak, man. So I just did the before Tim Tebow made it popular, I got down on one knee, thanked the man. Uh, and then no. after that, man, I went to the sideline. And I do remember, I don't think I've ever gotten that kind of reception from the bench after I made a play. And also, I do remember the crowd, man. I remember the Longhorn fans losing their freaking mind. Uh, I think at that time, every Longhorn fan in that stadium thought we were going to win that game. They knew it. And, guys, I believe the very next kickoff return, <laughs> Oklahoma returns deep into our territory and squashed all the momentum. And that gets to this Man. game, guys. That momentum, it can switch in a second. That's why turnovers are so big. Uh, that's why you know, the team with the experience in this game often has a big advantage because they understand you have to withstand those momentum shifts. And then when you do get that momentum, you got to try to ha- hang on for, for, for everything you got for as long as you can. Man, you know what? And, and, and you know, 11 a.m. Saturday, Texas OU on ABC. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful time of the year. And, Rod, I've made no secret about it. I'm picking the Longhorns to win this game. I just think they Ooh. have the intangibles. Oklahoma, you know, uh, I might – I okay, guilty. I've been known to maybe bet maybe a little office <laughs> pool or something, you know. So, I'm – uh, just like our friend Brent Musburger, I'm really in tune with point spreads and that kind of thing. Oklahoma Sooners haven't been very good against that number this year. I mean, what are they? I think it's a three and a half the last I looked, but they didn't Tell cover me, against. What's OU against the spread? I don't know, but I know one this. They didn't cover against Tulane. They didn't cover against K State. They didn't cover. Um, who's Nebraska. the other one? They didn't cover against Nebraska. And West Virginia. Yeah. And West Virginia. And so, and the only one they covered against was uh, the Western Carolina Catamount. Right. And who gives yep. a rat, you know what, about a Catamount? So no one was on that game. <laughs> and so, and if you were on that game, you probably had to bet a thousand bucks to win a hundred. So I, I, I just think that, um, I think they've been in a lot of close games and I think that helps them. But if I'm Texas and I see that, I go, you know what? We are battle tested. We exercised the demon in Fort Worth. We took out the little general, Gary Patterson. And we could have planted a flag, but we didn't. We planted a flag in his heart. So if I'm Texas, I feel like they they should be very confident. And you know what, Ron, I'm going to ask you about this guy. I really think that Casey Thompson is not a, not a first-round or even a second-round NFL pick, but he's a dog, and he ain't scared. And, and and when you come in with fearlessness in this game, you have a puncher's chance. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I you know, I like that because I was just talking to a friend of mine about this game and I threw out the stat, right? It says nineteen ninety. 
first year, uh, the first time starters, I should say, in the Texas OU game. Um, they are four fourteen and one. Oh, that hurts since nineteen ninety. Right. So usually the the most the more experienced quarterback he has a big advantage in this game because you know it's such a unique environment. The momentum shift. There's usually you know you want to play. Um, you know, you want to play with emotion but not be emotional. That's really hard for young teams. I remember the first time I ran out there on that field so hyped. You know, they have you in a tunnel together, all this. I ran out on the field uh, in 99 uh, really hyped and forgot I had to run down on kickoffs. I was tired when I ran down on kickoffs because I was just so hyped coming out, right? I didn't know how to manage that. So I think Casey does know how to manage that. You talked about, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of experience in this game, but he did sit behind Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger played, you know, started more games versus Oklahoma than any other Texas quarterback in history. That's right. Right? So uh, he got a chance to observe that. Also, his, his father, right? Charles Thompson started, right. what, two games on yeah. the Texas OU game and led Oklahoma to victories both times. That's a new connection. Did you guys read the uh, Barry Trammell article this morning, actually? Speaking of that, where he uh, he revealed that that Peter Gardere and Charles Thompson are good friends, and that Charles Thompson actually officiated Peter Gardere's wedding. What? No. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know about any of that. Did you? No, I didn't know that. I read it. I read it this morning. Was blown away. Yeah. Uh, so give props to Barry Trammell. Did a good job with that. But but, but going back to Casey Thompson, he, he has a unique relationship with this game, a connection with it. No, he has not got a chance to start the Texas OU game. So that four and fourteen and one stat since nineteen ninety works against him. But I, I like the way he prepares. I think his his X man ability, I always say every quarterback's gotta have an X man ability. Something they do as well, if not better than everybody else. For Casey Thompson, I don't know if it's measurables. I don't know if it's tangible. I think it may be his ability to prepare. Um, you know, the the, the the ability to crystallize your focus for six, eight hours and watch film in a dark room. Everybody can't do that. Most people have the attention span of a goldfish. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. You know, he, he can do that. He can watch film for 12 hours and try to figure out that little slight minuscule advantage. That was my advantage, guys. I didn't I didn't have great superior athleticism. Um, you know, I had Nathan Basher uh, behind me at one point, Michael Huff and Cedric Griffin. Stop it, Trust Robbie. me, you those guys are better players Stop than Rod it. Babers. The reason I was able to keep my spot for three years is because Rod Babers was going to prepare more than they were. I guarantee you that. I'm putting in more work than everybody else. I may not be a better player, but I will be better prepared. That's Casey Thompson, and that's what I appreciate about him. Hey, Doug. Absolutely. Hey, hey Doug. Yes, he, uh, <laughs> it's so – I mean, I did radio at Rod B, and the best, some of the best stuff was off the air. And and oh, I and, can imagine. I mean, it just really was. But we did radio, and 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 he would give me these little snippets that I that I will never forget. So when he came in, and he was he was with um, he was with Quentin Jammer. Quentin Jammer's over yep. on the other side. And Quentin Jammer was was a Hulk. He was big. So Rob B said, "Well, I had to get in a weight room, and I had to get hulked up like Quentin Jammer." So I, you know, I, I didn't want to be the little skinny <laughs> corner on the other end. So he got hulked up. <laughs> And then when Quentin went to the NFL and then Nasty Nate was over on the other side, a little sleeker, Rod B had to drop. He said, I had to drop about 10 pounds. I had to get sleeker like Nasty <laughs> yeah. Nate. So Rod B was, Rod B was prepared in the weight room like, like the other corner. But what you just said no about doubt. Casey Thompson, you said he's got an X-Man skill. It's more of a Batman skill. Because Batman mm. didn't have any discernible superpowers, Ooh, but Batman nice. was a nerd, and Batman lived in the Batcave, and Batman was always <laughs> studying up, and he always had these little snippets of information that, that helped him solve the caper at the end. So maybe he's more Batman than X-Man. 
Uh, brother, I'm giving you a slow clap right now. That that's brilliant. That is, you just hit the nail on the head. Boom, money in the bank, man. That's why you. That's why you just said he bear. I love it. <laughs> I don't know if he's Superman, but he's got a cape hidden somewhere in his closet. The question is, <laughs> like you said, Rodby, you came out of that tunnel so hyped up, you were tired running down the kickoff. Do you worry with everything Casey has invested in this from film preparation study, having been a part of this robbery through his family lineage? Do you think he'll be hyped up, and or do you think he will get rid of that that extra adrenaline and just play his normal game and not try to do too much. Interesting. You bring that up. I was, um, you know, talking to Jeff Howe about this and I am a little worried about the jitters, right? The, the butterflies yeah. for some of these right. guys, that environment. And think about it, last year, guys, they didn't have this, right? Last right. year was the COVID, uh, Texas OU game. And I didn't, you know, I'm sure it was pitiful and sad. It was a great game, but in terms of the environment, I bet it was pitiful and sad. Mm-hmm. So, so you got even fewer guys that will have the this unique experience of that, that, you know, that stadium being split 50, 50, where the crowd never dies down, right? That's one of the most mm-hmm. unique things about that, 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 you, that stadium and that ambiance, that environment. They never talk about the crowd is always yelling because somebody's hype, right? It's either Texas crowd is hype because they're making plays or Oklahoma's crowd is hype. Usually, the crowd, you know, the crowd dies down. The crowd gets hyped. It's a little bit of a kind of a roller coaster uh, of emotion, but you don't have that. That state of it stays on a constant, intense high, uh, and you as a player have to be able to manage that emotion because you're going to get high with them. You're going to you get at one point. You're going to want to run through a brick wall. You're going to want to punch somebody, you, and, it's, <laughs> right. and you should because that is a fight. Craig Wayne, I used to call it the State Fair Street Fight. All right, Love because it, it is a fight. And you better be ready for a fight for 60 minutes. And, and you know, you ever, and sometimes you can tell when Texas is about to get beat or blown out. Just go watch the pregame, right? Because it looks like Texas ain't ready for a fight, but Oklahoma is. And sometimes Texas is ready for the fight and Oklahoma ain't. All right? And you've got to be ready because that's what it's going to be. And, you know, for the guys in this game, I think it's important for Casey to get into a rhythm early. So if I was, if I was Sark, I would come out. And, yes, of course, Bijan is the identity of the offense, but I would make it a priority to get Casey in a rhythm, right? And those right. games versus Rice and Texas Tech, he was in a rhythm early. He was in a groove early, and he was confident. He was, he was feeling himself so much, guys, that Sark brought up the, the fact that he thought the interception that he threw in the Texas Tech game was the play caller's fault. Because he said mm-hmm. he, was, he was so hot that I started to believe that he, that wasn't a throw in the field he couldn't make. He so was I thought it could he was call plays yeah. like he could do no wrong when I know Casey also is still limited and still learning the playbook. So, I, But I, I don't want him to be that confident, though. I want him in a groove early. So I would work the quick game early. I'd work the, the screen game early, get Casey in a groove, get him confident, because he was not that versus TCU. He was erratic. He was sporadic. He was inconsistent. He made plays when he had to, but he was inconsistent. You get that Casey versus Oklahoma, Texas is not going to win that game. Right. I got to ask you this. Um, I, I was in the press box, and, Kirk, and Duck wasn't at the TCU game, but I'm, I'm in the press box with Danny Davis and Brian Davis, and Texas won the toss, and I was like, man, that team just gave up 350 yards rushing. Take the ball, Sark. And they deferred. Sometimes sometimes yeah. you just need to take the ball and go, we want the ball. I'm an offensive head coach, and I want to score right now, and I want to send a message to the other team. Because I just think that Texas's offense is better than its defense, and uh, what, do you, what yep. what's your what's your philosophy on that, Rod? I, I understand you want to defer to the second half in case. I mean, 
I just, you know, back when I was growing up, the, the team that won the toss always took the ball. And I just, I don't understand that part about today's game. It's a great point. Every coach has their preference. Matt Brown was always, a, you know, defer guy. And, but, good, but Matt Brown always had great defense, too. Right? That's Matt, true. Matt Brown had top 10, top 15 defenses he was throwing out there. So I think Matt wanted to make a statement where, now we'll get the ball in the second half. We know we're going to be the first team to score because our defense is going to stop us. Um, but so I agree. With you. I kind of agree with your statement though, because Bijan Robinson is the best player on the field for Texas. Every, and he's going to be the best player on the field every time in yes. any matchup Texas has for the rest of the year. Absolutely, period. right. Absolutely. Now, honestly, right. I don't know if has Texas faced a better player. Has Texas faced a team with a better player than Bijan? No. No. Mm-hmm. Right. Not. I don't. No, I don't think so. Yeah, and Maybe you know the what? Best player in America. <laughs> so they won't. So I agree. And from that standpoint, said I agree with you. You got the best player, or the the best player potentially in college football, as Kirk just said. He, he should he should be in the Heisman conversation. Go out there and make a statement with that guy. He's got fifty one forced missed tackles this year. He's a beast. He's just he looked unstoppable versus TCU. He can be a workhorse. He can be you know he can be your your Alvin Kamara. Do you need him to be that? If you need him to be old school workhorse, he can do that. There's nothing he can't do on a football field. So because of Bijan, and because he he's so good, he gives you a chance to win every game remaining on your schedule. You won't you won't win every game remaining on your schedule. But he's so good that he gives you a chance to if you just get him enough touches. Yes. Start off with Bijan every damn game. Make them figure out Bijan because it's more likely you're going to gain momentum off of his production rather than off of your defense making a play. Yeah, and, and you know, and Oklahoma likes to run the ball too. You know, I don't know what it's like five or six years in a row, I think Oklahoma's outrushed Texas in this game, and that's why they've been dominant uh, of late. Uh, but this Oklahoma looks vulnerable, I think, to me and said, Rod is that, you know, they're not crushing people. They're not putting people away. They're not covering the spread. They're spotty. Their quarterback's getting booed. The offensive line's a little shaky, which is rare for Oklahoma. Do you think they look as vulnerable as they've looked maybe in 10 years, Rod? Yeah, and it's so – well, offensively, yes. Because uh, offensively, yes. we all assume – you know, offense, you know, it, that's his trademark, right? Lincoln Riley does that. That's his right. expertise. And when you see his offense struggling a little bit, it's almost like watching Gary Patterson's defense struggle. It 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 it, it, it it's mind boggling because you that's his trademark. That's usually what you assume is going to be a you know their their strength. And right now for Oklahoma, their offense really is not their strength. Um, and I, nobody can really figure out exactly what it is, right? All the the different separate parts. Uh, still are highly rated. If you look at all the quantitative analytics, they're still highly rated, but they just, they're just not clicking totally. And they have a problem completing the deep ball. Right? Spencer just Rattler like is only 3 of 12 on passes 20 yards or more down the field uh, this year, and I believe it's um, two interceptions and zero touchdowns. So they're having a problem vertically stretching the field. But, and the, but the running game, I think, for them, um, once it's clicking, I think it's starting to look a little bit better. They're going to be a dangerous team. And, and we know the, the rushing battle, right? It's, it's a big part of this matchup. Um, my man Jeff Howe always says it's a line of scrimmage game. Like The SEC right. is a line of scrimmage league. This is a line of scrimmage game, which is why since, what, 1999, the winner of the rushing battle in Texas OU has won the game every year except for three years. 06 when they tied in rushing, 2014 when OU won the rushing battle, um, and 2018 Texas lost, uh, but uh, lost the rushing battle but won the game. 
So it's essentially, I think they're 19 2 and 1 um, since 1999, the winner of the Russian battle. So but that's because the team that can impose their will, the team that's ready for a fight, if you're talking about a fight, and that's what right. I think Texas OU is. If you go, if I'm going to a fight, I'm going to take the big boys with me, right? I'm taking the big ups because mm-hmm. they the ones ready for a fight. They they've been to fight every damn play. As a DB, I only get in a fight every play. So if you're talking about getting a fight, the boys up front got to win, D line and O line, and I think that's why that stat is so telling in this game because the team that comes out early on and you can see it that comes out that's just ready to punk the other team. That's usually the team that's ready to win that fight. And ready to fight for four quarters. You mentioned the big uglies. Uh, Denzel Okafor is out for the year, uh, and the offensive line wasn't wasn't blowing anybody up. Uh, even though they did run for two six, uh, Bijan did run for two sixteen. Uh, they've had their problems. Uh, what do you think about that matchup up front with that OUD line? Do you think Texas can hold their water and give Casey Thompson some time to make some things happen? Yeah, that is the question, right? And to me, if you're looking at this matchup, I haven't made my prediction officially, but um, right now the biggest matchup that Texas, in my opinion, is at a disadvantage in is the defensive line, the defensive front of Oklahoma versus that Texas offensive line. And now without Denzel Okafor, there are some people that believe and, you know, we hope Denzel Okafor is fine because it's season-ending surgery. There's some people that believe that Mount with Andre Carrick in the lineup at right tackle and Kerstow to now move to left guard. Maybe you'll get some improvement in some phases of that offensive line play. But, guys, between Nick Benito, Isaiah Thomas, and Perrion Winfrey on the other side, I think Jalen Redman is dealing with an injury for him, so I think he's going to be out. But that three. Uh, that they 24 pressures for Benito on the season, 19 for Isaiah Thomas, Perry and Renfrew with 18. They got to deal with that group. I think Oklahoma has 129 pressures um, as a team right now, as a defense. They That defensive line is good, and they can get after the quarterback. That's why if I'm Stark, I want to promote the quick game a little bit, get Casey in a groove. If you're trying to stretch the field and you're going to be – uh, you know, you're gonna need some time to do that to get the ball downfield. I think early on, uh, you know, Oklahoma may be able to exploit the weakness on the O line. I'm really worried about the Nick Benito Christian Jones matchup. Particularly. Oh, that's not uh, bad. I think they need to give that him some help, brutal. gentlemen. They need to twelve personnel, something they run a lot of, one back, two tight end. Mm-hmm. So give him a tight end out there, maybe the chip. Uh, Nick Benito, and even if you go 11, maybe you always go to Christian Jones' side to give him a little support. When you go 20 personnel or 21 personnel, two backs, zero tight ends, two backs, one tight end, I would make sure Rojo or whoever that extra back is, they're chipping on Christian Jones' side to help him out because I think he could end up with the the, the most uh, issues, I should say, oh, in yeah. that game. Because bring Benito, bring they, a bag of Doritos. Bring a bag of Doritos. A lot of chips. A <laughs> lot of chips on the left side of that line. Uh, Christian Jones yeah. is, yeah, I like him. Nice kid, but, oh, man. I, ho- I hope he I hope he goes to sleep on Thursday and doesn't wake up before till kickoff. He's going to need to eat his Wheaties. He's going to need to be well-rested. That's going to be a yep. tough He's matchup. Because they're coming after them, guys. They're coming at. If, they if really you are. are Alex Grinch right now, and yeah. you had the last the last two meetings against Texas, you have accumulated twenty five tackles for loss and fifteen sacks, and right. you see the the weakest link in that chain is the left side. They're going to do twists and stunts and games all day long, delayed blitzes on that left side. So they better be ready for it. They better be ready. And I was a lot more confident in the horns till Rod started talking, said. Uh, I'm getting more scared. Uh, yeah, I think I might have to erase this tape and change my damn pick. 
<laughs> no, man, they got Bijan. Gentlemen, they got Bijan. Just trust and follow. The, the, the answer to every issue you have, whether it be offensive line play, is, is you know, they're not run blocking. It, it's ineffective. Your wide receivers can't catch. Your quarterback's having an off day. The play caller's having an off day. Whatever it is, the answer is always to remedy the situation. Just give it to Bijan, and he'll solve those problems. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. What, what do you feel like Texas has proven so far in five games winning? Four and on a three-game win streak, uh, how, how good is this Texas team, Rod, and how good do you think their upside can be this year? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think we're going to learn a lot in the next two games, but I will say offensively, I I think this team, it can be dangerous offensively. I mean, going into that TCU game, you're talking about, you know, they were a top-five offense, not really sure exactly where they are now, but they are they are explosive offensively. They really are. And this is guys without the downfield deep passing game working for them. That's that has to be yeah. working for them. That's right? So that's still something they're working on. The offensive line, as we know, it has its limit as an offensive line. But when right. Stark came in, I think what people want – listen, Texas was a top ten offense last year with Tom Herman. They were seventh in the country. Mm-hmm. What Texas Longhorn fans wanted to see was an offensive mind that was going to come in here and have creative solutions to common sense problems. And a common sense problem last year was Bijan Robinson, your best player, did not get the ball enough. And yeah. now at least you have a coach smart enough to walk into a game and go, well, if our, if our uh, passing game isn't working really well and we're on the road versus TCU and our offensive line can't give my quarterback time to throw the football downfield and he's had an off night and my wide receivers are dropping the ball, you know what? The one thing that's working for me, I'm just going to ride this wave until it it leads to a victory in the fourth quarter and that's what he did and you know with Tom Herman we also complained about the mensa meathead of Tom Herman right sometimes he's too smart for the room right sometimes he yeah. overthinks it sometimes he didn't think it through enough he wanted to be a meathead uh but Tom, basically Stark went meathead versus TCU um, he, he decided, you know what, I'm going to go 35 carries with Bijan because it gives me the best chance to win. And so I like his feel for the game. I think it's getting better. Versus Arkansas, he didn't have a great feel for the game. But this, wrong, wrong he quarterback. had a great feel for the game. When to go for it on fourth down. When to when – listen, guys, to, to give it to Bijan on third – to give it to Bijan in the fourth quarter, guys, on a third and nine and a third and six. He handed yeah. off the ball to Bijan Robinson on a third and nine in the fourth quarter and a third and six. That is a feel for the game because he knew I got a better chance picking this up by handing off the ball to Bijan than I do dropping back to pass. Absolutely. <laughs> That's do, a great feel for the game. Well. Do what you do yeah, well. Exactly. And, and, Gary and, Patter- right. and Gary Patterson said, I, I wasn't going to give it to my guy 35 times. Uh, maybe that's why you <laughs> lost, dog. Maybe that's why you <laughs> lost. Because Zach that's Evans is a man, about. and Zach Evans didn't get the ball enough. He didn't in that game. Yeah, because he's a bad boy, too. He's, he's, he's a bad he's, boy. He's a bad boy. Yeah. He is. He is. So what what would a win over OU mean to Sark in this program in, in year one of this this tenure? Wow, I gotta go back and see when was the last first year coach that beat OU. Um, that's Charlie, John Mackovic. Mackovic, Mackovic did. Mac, Mac Brown did. So Mac, Mac thirty eight so twenty eight. Mac thirty eight yep. twenty eight. Mac. Um, I think Mac so Mac Mackovic as well. Okay. Yeah. There you and go. Fred. And, and Fred. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so you know what? It's not that it's 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 not that um not that crazy to think that Sark could do it because this is a very flawed Oklahoma team, and I think honestly, Kirk, it'd be huge because considering where and I don't know, we're not bringing up a And M. I don't. I'm not trying to dog the Aggies. I'm not. Right. <laughs> but they are they they are they are battling for influence in this state, 
And Jimbo had him. Jimbo had that thing rolling for a little while, and I, th- I still think Jimbo's going to do a good job there. Uh, but if you can get a win versus Oklahoma over a top ten team, um, Texas will probably move into the top fifteen, and then next week they'll have a game with Oklahoma State. Uh, that'll give this team so much confidence going into that game. And something tells me, guys, if Texas wins this game, it's going because Casey Thompson had to have a, 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 a breakout performance, right? I know he's already mm-hmm. had great breakout games, but he's going to have to show up and have. I think one of the best games of his career, and he hadn't had a long one um, to right. beat Oklahoma. Because I think Alex Grinch is going to decide. All right, I'm not letting Bijan Robinson in his running game. Be Got to load up. They want yeah. to Gotta load up. Load that passing box. game, and that's how I would approach it if I was Alex Grinch. Um, so I think with that narrative, yeah, man, it would be big for Sark because that recruiting momentum. We're talking about Arch Manning in the 2023 class, and it's down to Texas and Georgia. You're talking about Evan Stewart and all of these these uh, recruiting, you know, um, uh, momentum changing uh, recruits that you could end up getting in your future classes. I think, yeah, it could be really, really big for the program and for Sark too. I got to ask you about Spencer Rattler. He's completing 76% of his passes, uh, 10 touchdowns, uh, four picks. Now, he threw like five first-half touchdowns against Western Carolina, so I'm going to throw that out. That, that just doesn't do it for me. He's here in <laughs> booze. When is the last time an OU uh, fan base booed a quarterback of an unbeaten team? And you could tell he was asked about it, and he was like, oh, well, we don't worry about that. We don't worry about that. He's a kid. Of course he worries about that. What do you think his psyche is, especially knowing that this time last year he got pulled out of the game because he was turning the ball over? What do you think his mindset is right now, Robbie? Yeah, man, that's interesting because Caleb Williams, the quarterback behind him, is is really good. Like he's he's the real deal. I mean, I think he was probably a higher rated recruit than Spencer Rattler was, and both of those guys were considered five star guys. I think the Oklahoma fan base number one is spoiled. No one fans were like this too, right? We got the the, the Chris Sims, the Vince Young, to Colt McCoy years yeah, uh, of, of, of high level quarterback play, elite quarterback play. We were spoiled, and then the the drop off uh, after that, after 2010, to Garrett Gilbert and Gerard Hurd and you know David Ash. Longhorn fans, I, you know, there were some boos. They booed some of those quarterbacks. Hell, Chris Sims got booed a few times. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, more, more than a few times, actually. So, yeah, I, I mean, so I think the fan base is a little spoiled, and Longhorn fans can relate to that. Uh, but in terms of his individual struggles, I think it's more about, you know, um, it's a multifactorial thing. The offensive line is not as dominant as it usually is. Um, right. they, the running backs for them, they just, they're not as talented as a group because they had a lot of uh, – uh, losses uh, from the running back position in the offseason because of transfers and uh, because of injuries, things of that nature. But I think it's it's just a lot of different things. And unfortunately for Spencer Rattler, uh, as B.Y. once told me, you get all the girls, but you get all the grief too. So you get all the glory, <laughs> but you're going to get all the grief. And right now he's getting all the grief. If he shows up in this game and beats Texas, all that goes away. He knows that. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's become a, a quarterback series, has it not, Cedric? Yes, it has, and it's in the paper today. It's it's a quarterback series. Now, when I was growing up, or you know, when Duck was growing up, D- Duck in the uh, in the gosh in the fifties, in the twenties, wow. in the fifties. <laughs> Golly, you're old. Um, uh, when I was coming up, it was Earl Campbell, it was Billy Sims, it was those guys. It was those guys that were that were that were getting the acclaim. Uh, 
And then then around the decade of the 2000s, these quarterbacks started to show up. You know, the Jason Whites, the Chris Sims, V.Y., Colt, Sam Bradford, all the way up to Kyler and Baker uh, and, and Sam Ellinger. Uh, I think it's still a quarterback's game, this game. And I know Bijan's going to be the best player on the field, but I believe the quarterback who plays the best is going to be the one wearing that golden hat, no matter what these running backs do. Uh, Rod, is Casey Thompson capable of pulling this off in grand fashion if Bijan doesn't play great? Yes, he's capable of it. Um, it'll be a Herculean task if he doesn't get help from his O-line. Because um, Skyler Thompson, guys, that K-State game against Oklahoma, he threw for over 300 yards. He was firing on him. He was firing on him. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, and he, but he did it mostly with the quick game, right? He, uh, he only, if you look at it, passes of uh, over 10 yards in that game, he was only five of nine for 129 yards. So he did test them deep, but most of his damage was done, you know, from within the 10 yard range to short to intermediate range. Deuce Vaughn had 10 receptions in that game. So I think that's, you gotta, that's why I, I would prioritize getting my quarterback confident and in a groove early. You do that with high percentage throws, throws, uh, what he calls opportunity throws in his RPO game, easy completions for your quarterback. And I would make it a priority. I know Bijan's going to have a good game. Hell, I know Bijan's going to come to play. I ain't worried about that. My yeah. concern, if I'm sorry, is get my quarterback confident get in the groove and feeling good. right? Yeah. And then, I, then I'll combine that with Bijan. I think the way you do that is start him with easy passes, easy completions. And if you want to, hell, let him throw it to Bijan. You know, in the flat screen game, you know, let you know, let him get into a groove that way. But that's why I would do it because I'm with you. I think you're right, Sid. I think the running game is going to be important. But whichever one of these quarterbacks rises to the occasion, ultimately, in my opinion, is probably going to determine the champion or the winner of this game. Bijan Robinson is Adrian James. He is. He's the same guy. He makes these wow. little quick moves in the hole in short spaces. They remind me of Adrian James. I mean, and he catches the ball out of the backfield just like Edge did. I He's even wearing <laughs> braids just like Edge. All he needs is a gold grill. That's all he needs to complete the maybe ensemble. Yeah, if he gets the NIL deal, maybe he'll get a grill. Well, he got some <laughs> NIL, yeah. NIL money coming in. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I was going to ask you one more thing, uh, and, and before – I'm going to hit you on NIL after this because I had a really good question for you on that. Um, Lincoln Riley's the quarterback whisperer. And I get the feeling that he's not altogether happy with Spencer because Spencer Rattler's a gunslinger. He will mm-hmm. throw that thing up there into triple coverage because he's got that Jeff George arm. Do you think Spencer yep. Rattler's a little bit more confident and his ability than his talent level should 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 suggest. Yeah, I can't say that. Should suggest that he is. Um, but I think all that's a great. I think quarterbacks with big arms often get sucked into. They get lured into. I can you know the belief they can make any throw in a football field. That's why even Brett Favre was like that, right? Brett Favre threw a lot of picks. You just brought up Jeff George. I think big arm quarterback Jay Cutler, big arm quarterback. 
They just have, I think, a psychological block at times in terms of their decision-making because that big arm makes you believe, hey, I can make any throw. Yeah, you can get it there, but I don't necessarily know if you should throw it there, right? Mm-hmm. That's the decision you need to make. So I think there's some of that with Spencer Rattler as a gunslinger. The thing is, the thing, you know, that everybody loves about Lincoln Riley, usually he's able to, you know, construct an offense um, specifically around the strength of his quarterback while, you know, making sure that he somehow uh, limits the, the, the liabilities, right, limits the weaknesses within their uh, skill set. And he hasn't been able to do that with Spencer Rattler. So maybe Spencer Rattler's just stubborn. Maybe he's just that too much of that gunslinger in him. Um, we'll see. I, I think Spencer Rattler still is going to end up being a first-round quarterback, so he's got a ton of raw material to work with. Uh, I think he's really dangerous because when he's on, when he's accurate, he is – I mean, he is really, really uh, high-level quarterback within that 0-19 to yard range. Uh, The problem is this year they've been forcing him to march the length of the field, right? They've been giving him the underneath stuff, keeping those two safeties high and not letting him throw the ball deep. And he's been making too many mistakes, right? His decision-making has been flawed. And so he can march down the field 10, 12, 13, 14-play drives. That's what you want to do against Lincoln Riley's offense now. Make them march the length of the field because they've either been their own worst enemy or they've allowed the defense to make a play, and then they haven't been able to, to get down the field. The thing that they're missing this year, because I think a lot of the moving parts for Oklahoma are still working really well. They're just not working well together. Uh, they're working well individually. I think what they're missing is that Golden State Warrior ability to where they would go Category five supernova thermonuclear on you, and then they score on four straight possessions. Yes. They score touchdowns on four straight possessions, and then you're out of the game. And you realize, damn, what happened? I mean, yeah. we were in this game, and then three possessions ago, they scored two, three straight touchdowns, and we scored ten points, and then the game was over. They don't do that anymore, right? They did that last year. They did that the year before. They don't have that ability that they used to have. So that was the separator for them, and they cannot go on that that Golden State Warriors like run where they can blow out an opponent within a four-possession span. They used to be able to do that with Kyler Murray. They did it with Jalen Hurts at times. Of course, they did it with Baker Mayfield. Haven't been able to do it with Spencerella. Not this year. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Rod. I think uh, you look around the country, you see that a little bit. Explosives are down, and, and uh, you know, defensive coordinators try to keep everything in front of them, uh, like Kwiatkowski. And yep. uh, part of that is just kind of the drain of talent. You saw these rookie quarterbacks. You know, they're already starting in the NFL and great receivers like Smith and Waddle and players like that, Jamar Chase. So there was a little bit of a talent drain, I think, but I think that's a little bit of a national trend in my mind. The last question I got for you, Rod B, man, this has just been awesome. Uh, is there an X factor in this game? Is there a player that, that you know, may come out of not nowhere, but Maybe you know have a breakout game like like everybody hopes Casey does. Anybody you can think of as that role this game? Oh, that is that's a good one. Um, I like that. I'm gonna go with you know what? I'm gonna go with Overshawn. Um, okay. Overshawn could be big in this game. He made got that pick in last year's game. I uh, right. heard Derek 
Derek Johnson said he reminds him of Derek Johnson. I was oh, like, wow. wow. Man, that's it's, like great. I know. Oh, my I, God, I, I, really? I don't think he reminds me of Derek Johnson. I'm sitting there but going, I'm sure I don't holler DJ. I, didn't, I don't see that. I don't <laughs> um, holler he's, DJ. He's, he's the new age linebacker, right? He's, he, right? he's one of the guys that has enough speed. He can afford to make a mistake um, and still get out there. Remember, TCU, They I thought TCU would go after the corners because the corners for Texas have been a little suspect, right? They've that's been right. tested on – Seven deep balls, gentlemen. They've given up five receptions for 267 yards. But TCU and Max Duggan didn't test the corners. They tested the linebackers. 11 yeah. targets at, at Agent Zero and at Luke Brockemeyer in that game, and nine receptions allowed. So I think that, you know, uh, Lincoln Wright's going to go after those linebackers, too. Um, and they like to do it with, you know, their running backs out of the backfield. Uh, they, 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 the tight end game is big for them. So they'll, they'll run two backs out there. I think they're going to test the, the linebackers in coverage. And I think Agent Zero is going to go out there and make some plays. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's – you can argue right now he's, you know, the one of the best defensive players they got. But um, if I pick another guy, I'd pick Anthony Cook because Anthony Cook is trending in the right direction. I liked he's him. Really I liked him last week. I liked him on the blitz, and, yeah. Yeah, DB High, shout out and Lamar High. So I'll take I'll take Agent nice. Zero and Anthony Cook. I know that's kind of cheap. Nice, nice. I like it. You know what? Um, Brockmeyer's got to be better. I mean, he's flashed. Yeah, but he's got to be better. I mean, he, he he missed a lot of tackles last week. Uh, uh, got got credited with a PBU on his own teammate. Uh, got a took took an interception from from Agent Zero. So. Yeah, he's got to be better. Luke, Luke said he had his hands on the ball first yesterday. Oh so. my god, <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah, well, well, yeah. yeah, but he di- but he dipped him in a in a in a in a big old pot of butter before he tried to grab the ball. So it's... Hey, hey, we're talking to Rod B about hands, okay? So everything's relevant. That is right? true. Yes, I don't. I'm not judging. I'm not judging that man. <laughs> but he t- but he t- but he took took a pick away from a guy who had a pick six against OU last year. So I mean, come on, come on. So yeah. uh, my last question, Rod B. I, uh, and a little bit of history for the for the listeners. Uh, that was my 2002 was my first year on the B. I did a big profile on Rod B. He uh, just the, the still the best quote I've ever I've ever been around. I thought about this during all this NIL stuff. Rod B, you could have made a mint. You could have made a grip on NIL because yeah. you had the personality and 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 you're flamboyant and flamboyant sells in today's era. Um, are you surprised that you're not seeing these players just list their cash app IDs online after they after they have a big game? Because and maybe it's going on <laughs> underground, but because I see the opportunity to make a lot of money. Because I, I put it like this: if I'm a Texas fan and I bet I bet I bet uh 200 bucks on the Longhorns and they win and Bijan runs for 200 yards. Ain't you, aren't you going to drop him 50 bucks or something and say, man, uh, good looking out for your boy. I appreciate it, Bijan. I appreciate it, Five. Are you surprised that, that you're not seeing those cash app IDs pop up on Twitter from these players? Yeah, that modern $100 handshake that Sims talking about. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, I never got one of those, by the way. I never got one of not those. Not even but, after no, the picks. Oh, yo, y'all lost I, the I game. Don't know if right. it, I don't know if they can. I mean, that's still technically, I believe, an NCAA violation for people to just give you money, right? It, it's, right. It's supposed, it's supposed to be for a service or whatever. Autograph. Like, autograph. An autograph, yes, whatever. So um, you're right. Maybe behind the scenes you still have some of that going on. I mean, the way I describe NIL, I mean, you know, people, it's kind of like legalized marijuana in, you know, Colorado and California. There are still people selling weed. Uh, still weed dealers selling weed illegally. 
<laughs> they are. And they're struggling. Uh, and so they're with struggling. NIL, I know there's a lot now on the table. There's still some stuff going on under the table, too. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know. You know, I don't think we've seen it actually now come to fruition. But, yeah, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there's some shady stuff out there. But I love the NIL thing. Um, I think these guys learn a lot. I mean, think about all of the really creative deals, right? We know how creative capitalism can be. Mm-hmm. Think about how creative now these business ventures are for these young people, about whether it's um, autographs. Some of these guys are starting podcasts now. They got, you know, YouTube channels. And I know most of it's kind of an influencer stuff, the influencer economy for these young people. But, man, they're learning about taxes now. I hope they are, so that they're now. They, better, they will be. They better be. They're learning about entrepreneurship, something I wish I'd learn more about, right? They're learning about branding, right? Social media, yeah, it can be a gift and a curse, downfall of society, as Charlie Strong once said. Uh, but also, it teaches you about branding, the things you put, you should be putting out there on social media, the things you should not be putting out there, right? Um, the things that employers want to see, the things that advertisers want to see from you. But I think it, it teaches them so much. Um, there's so much positive about it. I'm sure there's going to be some negatives and drawbacks, and we'll learn about those because it's so new that we don't really know the, 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 the charted course for NIL just yet. So I'm sure there are going to be some negative downsides to it. There are going to be some drawbacks. But, man, so much positivity for these young people. And, now, and I, I tell you what I love. I love the fact that now the, the women's sports are getting love. If you go look at name, yeah. image, and likeness and what sports are getting, you know, the most revenue from name, image, and likeness, women's, women's volleyball is like right up there at the top. It's huge. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's, that's awesome. That's great because I think, you know, from – you know, from our perspective, we always look at sports like, oh, man, the revenue-generating sports are, you know, the men's sports, the big three. It's football, basketball, and baseball, all men's stuff. Um, but now you look at name, image, and likeness, and we're talking about relevance on a, in, in a, from another angle, and they're telling you now from this influencing comedy, economy of name, image, and likeness that women's sports is actually really influential, that some of the biggest moneymakers right now, name, image, and likeness, are actual individual women who have learned how to brand themselves on social media. Um, so I, I think it's phenomenal, man. It's just so to me, it's just so many different. Um, I think there's going to be so many different avenues it's going to open up, and we have no idea just yet how creative these companies are going to get with name, image, and likeness. I don't know why they don't have more team-wide deals, though, guys. I don't. I mean, I know that like Florida, Miami. No, Miami has one. Mm-hmm. I believe a team-wide deal with everybody, everybody on the team yes. get something because they have some in, endorsement deal with some big company. Texas should be at that point now where. I mean, everybody on the team should be getting about two or three thousand dollars from a, a deal from some company. I don't know how they can work it out, but they should. If anybody can I do think it, Georgia it should does be that too. I think I think Georgia's yeah. done that too, Rod. Yeah, sense, exactly. That's it? the great for recruiting. It is. And it's something you know, keep the jealousy, um, you yeah. know, and that envy from from, from creeping up in the locker room because you know it's there, guys. You know. You know, guys in the same meeting room, if one guy's, you know, uh, balling out of control and the other players are not, you don't want to see that. So I guarantee, first of all, the players are sharing their money with other guys because that's how it was when I was playing. All right, guys who had money like the Sims and the Shanahan. Trust me, they would always break out the black card to take guys out to dinner. <laughs> Man, I love to hear time. that. I love to hear uh, that. So I'm sure that's happening, right? It's family. But also, it will be nice if they say, hey, man, everybody can, everybody can get some. It ain't no fun if your homies can't have none. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Casey, Casey's doing well. He mentioned this Monday that he flew the wide receivers out to Miami for, like, private workout with, who was it? Stephon, Stephon Diggs, Diggs and, and, and Landry. Juice, and, Juice Landry, ooh. yeah. He's, he's taking his offensive line out to dinner. And, yeah, he, nice. he really gets it. Yeah, Casey uh, yeah. really gets it. He's got that sharing team first. 
philosophy, and I think that's one of the reasons the team's kind of embraced him like they have. Hey, dog. Great hey, point. So, I, I think Robbie, you're around the money there. Before we go, man, and you mentioned this, you mentioned that that, that Texas is fighting for for relevant, you know, relevancy and bragging rights and 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 pecking order in the state of Texas with that with that little team in College Station. Now they've that's gone off the rails, and and Saint Nick is coming to town on Saturday <laughs> with the Alabama Crimson Tide and the guy and, and the Aflac Duck in the blue suit. Is it going to be as bad as I think it's going to be? I think that they're going to put a fi- I think they're going to post a 50 burger on the Aggies and I don't know that the Aggies can score two touchdowns on that defense. What do you think? I think you're right, and I, I hate it for the Aggies because you guys know I don't hate on the Aggies like most hell. I was I almost an Aggie I myself. Like I like that. But Aggies. we know how Nick Saban treats his former assistants. Right? <laughs> Not, well. Not, well. Kiffin, who, Not well. Who was talking trash last week, get your popcorn ready. Oh, you got your popcorn ready, all right. <laughs> well, <laughs> we know who um, Exactly. Um, and now Jimbo Fisher, I don't think he was talking trash. Remember in the offseason he said that little thing about Nick Saban and oh, yeah. we're going to beat him. And mm-hmm. I don't know why the hell he was saying that, but trust me, Nick Saban don't forget. Uh, so I'm with <laughs> you guys. I think Nick Saban is yeah. going to put an Old Testament-style butt whipping on Jimbo and the Aggies, and I, I feel bad for the Aggies. Um, but, I, yeah, I think it's going to happen. And I, I think it's, it, it potentially could be uglier than it was when uh, Alabama beat Ole Miss uh, last week. Could be uglier than that. And it could, and and saying so, this could just be a critical week for uh, Texas and A and M, like the trajectory of their programs, and uh, you know, a lot, lot on the line, a lot on the plate uh, as far as which direction both these programs are going right now. So, uh, going to be entertaining, going to be fun, and man, we just appreciate you. Dropping some knowledge on said and me, and it's, it's always uh, you're so fun, always man. welcome. Just here, the best, the absolute. Anytime, best. gentlemen. I had a great time, man. It was, uh, it was always fun to catch up. So anytime y'all need me, y'all just let me know. Hey, what are your plans right, for the please. weekend? Are you going to be up in 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 uh, the Metroplex, right? Be or are you staying home? I'm staying home. I got to do the post game here after the game, and it's my birthday week week slash weekend. So wifey wants to nice. you know, take me out and show me a good time. Congrats going go. out to Rod B, who is a newlywed, and he got married on That's the water. Right. I saw some photos. I saw water in that photo, and I saw sandy beaches, Rod B. I mean. Oh, man, we, we we did it up in Lake Tahoe, man, so it was, uh, it was really nice. Not going to lie, it was, it was real nice. Got married during the pandemic, but... That's what kind of timing you boy has. I waited. I waited. For, I waited seven years to pop the question and did it during a pandemic. So nice. <laughs> that's what. I, <laughs> that's the way you do it. So uh, yeah, man, it was great. So I appreciate happy. the love, man. Just keep mama happy. That's keep what we mama happy. Say. Happy life. Happy wife. Happy life. He's the host of yeah, RBKD right. weekdays three to seven on one hundred four point nine Horn. He's Rod B, and you are not. We're so blessed that he joined us today, Rod. Always a pleasure, old friend, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. All right. Thanks, fellas. Have a good day. Blessings. Blessings. Take care. You too, fellas. On Second Thought. Duck, so great to have Rod Babers join us, and he always has the information, man. And he he's that rare guy that can, that can give you the information uh, from a statistical standpoint, and then turn around and tell you what it all means because he played the game at a high level. Yeah, well, you're right. He, he's, he's the perfect blend of, you know, 
intelligence and personality. You know, he just oozes charisma. You know, we love the guy and have for a long time. So, uh, yeah, hope uh, hope the listeners enjoyed it as much as we did. Yeah, and I know they did, Duck. I know, I know. Uh, after the the OU game, you're you're staying you're staying in Dallas for the uh, Cowboys and Giants. Real r- real quick on the Cowboys before we get out of here. I'm afraid they're pretty damn good. And <laughs> it's hard to not get excited about what we're seeing from the Cowboys, Duck. I don't like Mike McCarthy as a head coach, but I think they're so talented that it just might not matter. They're obviously the class of the NFC East. Uh, they're going to have to go through a Tampa Bay or a Rams or a Cardinals, someone like that, or a Green Bay to get where they want. But you tell me, is there a team right now that's playing better than the Dallas Cowboys? Well, if there are, there aren't many. You know, Maybe Arizona? I, I put Arizona or Buffalo, I got near the top of my list, and uh, the Rams are darn good. Uh, but, yeah, the Cowboys are getting it done. I mean, Chiefs are even struggling, and Tampa Bay is not playing like they were. So the the door is open. I'm telling you, I agree with you, said and – I agree with you on McCarthy too. I don't think uh, I don't think he inspires, and I think uh, I don't really need him the, to inspire me. I just need him to not mess up the clock management and misuse it. his timeout to make so. dumb decisions um, deep yeah, in your own you territory. Don't inspire. Don't don't depress. You know, with some of these decisions. You know, so no, I agree. You know, and it may be like Euro. Maybe he gets out of the way and just uh, lets the talent. Uh, uh, come forth because he's got a heck of a talented team. I just don't know if the players have as much faith in him as they do in each other. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And and, and one of them, the other big storyline is Ben Roethlisberger never should have come yep. back. He never should have come back. And the Steelers, the no. Steelers are in a bad place and they're stuck with a shell of Ben Roethlisberger. And I, I see Mike Tomlin in during his first losing season in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I could see that becoming an end, too. And uh, we also saw kind of Aaron Rodgers have a love fest with Mike Tomlin. So could that wow, be a landing spot man, for you Aaron Rodgers? You're starting something there. Wow. And he wants out of Green uh-huh. Bay. I don't care what anybody says. He wants out of there. And Pittsburgh would be, yep. ooh, man, wouldn't that be us? It'd be a natural, wouldn't it? That I would mean, be a natural. Boy. That would be a natural. So. Man, we got so much we could talk about today, but we're going to shut it down here because we're still on a high from the Rye B experience. Texas OU, 11 a.m. Saturday on ABC. The Duck, myself, Brian, and Danny Davis will be there. Check out our stuff on hook'em.com. That will do it for episode 237 of On Second Thought. For the Duck Kirk Bowles, I'm Sid Golden. And we will see you at the Cotton Bowl. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.